0: Welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by us, the Fried Egg Pro Shop. Uh, check it out. Go to friedegg.com and then there's like a Pro Shop button in the top corner. If you click there, you can go peruse our different offerings. I might recommend the white Beedratty Polo. We just got them in. They're sharp. Everybody always needs a good white polo. You know, people spill on them. I spill on mine all the time, so that's why I need a lot of white polos. So anyways, check out the Pro Shop. If you like what we do, support us by buying a hat or, or a shirt or something. That's always a uh, nice way to support us. And uh, rep the brand at your local club, course, wherever that may be. Today's episode is with none other than PGA Tour player Zach Blair. Zach and I have obviously had a few... Discussions of the past many podcasts uh, It has been a little while And as a full disclosure With this conversation about his project uh, The Tree Farm Which is kind of an offshoot of the Buck Club I'm a little biased I'm friends with Zach I've known of this project for a long time I've uh, I've been on site at the proposed Utah site and obviously, uh, a lot has changed over the last few months, and that's why we wanted to do the pod, um, and to just run down a timeline for those who might be saying, I have no clue what you're talking about. Zach Blair, PGA Tour player, wants, uh, is building his dream golf course. This all started back in probably about 2015, 2016 is when he had voiced his dream to do this, and, uh... Since then, obviously, the the golf course has been very public. Uh, It's gotten a lot of exposure on social media. Zach has built up a brand around the Buck Club, and uh, it's taken a lot of public turns and and twists, and it started as a project that was based in Utah. We go into the details of why Utah didn't work initially right out of the gate and why it might be something that comes back in the future. Uh, Then it... Moved to South Carolina and, you know, he had uh, King Collins attached to it. And since then that has uh, ended and we discussed that on the podcast and everything that went into that decision. And uh, today's show is really about the latest news. So there's been a lot that's happened with this project. It's very public, as I mentioned, and uh, that will afford much more info in the future. So. Without further ado, here is Zach Blair discussing the most recent developments with uh, the tree farm. I miss a green, for example. I'm already upset when I find my ball in the bunker. I'm really upset, and when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie. I'm about ready to run off the golf course. DB
1: How are you? What's up man? Doing good. How are you doing?
0: Doing well. First time on the pod in a while. Then uh yeah, we're yeah, yeah, re- been a while. regular guest though.
1: <laughs> For sure.
0: What's uh what's to do? How how's uh, your shoulder doing?
1: Yeah, shoulder's doing good. Uh you know, kind of in physical therapy right now. Um got a little bit of range of motion, not a lot of strength, but Hopefully we'll be back in a few uh, few months.
0: What have you been doing to keep yourself busy with uh, with no golf? You're maybe maybe the biggest golf nut in the world that I know.
1: Yeah, I uh, got the baby, you know. That's taken up some time. Got the uh, got the project down in South Carolina, uh, you know, which is moving along nicely. And uh, so those things have definitely been been, uh, taking up a lot of the time. It's nice. It's nice to be home with the family a little bit. Um, you know, not having to worry about catching flights every week to, to get to a new place.
0: What, uh, you want, do you, you've been watching a lot of golf or, you know, what are what are you doing?
1: Uh, you know, not really. I, I like to watch golf like when tigers in contention. Um, but other than that, I don't, I don't watch a ton of golf, you know, I'll watch like the majors and I'll turn it on here and there. I was watching a little bit yesterday cause you know, Tony was kind of in the hunt. Um, but man, I've just been, uh, I've been busy doing, doing everything, uh, watching some playoff football, everything like that. But, uh, yeah, it's been good.
0: It's a, it, never a good time for like a, a injury that requires extensive rehab, but given, uh, the project and everything. I imagine it wasn't the worst timing.
1: Yeah, it, you know, it was just like exactly like you said. It's never good when you got to have surgery, but uh, at least I had a few things that were kind of, um, you know, able to spend some time on that were, you know, things that could kind of take my mind off it. So, um, you know, it's not. It hasn't been the end of the world. Hoping that I can get back and play a little golf soon because I, I do have the itch a little bit. So.
0: Are you watching people play golf? Is, is gives you that you know itch bad. It's it's crazy. You know it's like I remember uh, when I was in Florida years ago. Um, the minor league golf tour tournament director told me that at the after the Masters was always their highest sign up day for mini tour events. Like the 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 night of and the next day, they would always sign up more than any other time of the rest of the year. Uh was right after the Masters.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean I, I think I was down at Ohoopie with a bunch of guys, kinda went and took my dad out there and um he was playing, kinda filling in for me and yeah, definitely kind of being around it and just watching it like in person. You're like, Yeah, like this sucks. Like I I would love to play right now. But uh yeah, just trying to get healthy, you know. It's uh I think it's kind of like a slow process for this thing to get back to like a hundred percent where I can play seven days a week, you know, multiple weeks in a row traveling on tour. But I'm hoping that in the next few months I'll kind of be able to at least play some casual golf, which, uh, you know, that's enough for me.
0: Yeah. All right. So we're, uh, we're here to talk about your project. You know, it's been years since we talked about this on air. Um, a (laughs) lot's changed and let's get an update. Obviously the the tree farm as it's being called now is, uh, you're somewhat underway. You've got land. Tell us a little bit about the property and what drew you to the Aiken, South Carolina area for, for your golf course.
1: Uh, you know, one of the things for me when the utah project kind of got you know stalled a little bit with the land um i i always knew that kind of the east coast is so much more realistic for a golf course for like a destination club you know to get a lot of people there easily it's just so much easier traveling on the east coast um you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of the great golf courses are on the East coast. It's just easy to get to and from that part of the world, um, for a lot of people. So, you know, I literally just started looking like on a website for like sandy soil, like tracts of land kind of, you know, somewhere in the Southeast where I could get kind of a year round type club and, uh, ended up finding that place, um, just on a website. So I want. I was trying to find something kind of close to the Masters so you could kind of take advantage of that week. You know, it's just such a you know, biggest golf tournament in the world, one of the biggest sporting events in the world. Um, so I knew if we could kind of dip into that, um, that would be nice, like a nice little kicker. So ended up finding this place about 30 minutes from Augusta National. So it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, d- describe the land, uh, you know, Ninety nine point nine percent of the people that listen to this podcast don't know what the land looks like. So, you know what what type of characteristics are are you talking about with the land?
1: Yeah, the property is really cool. It has a lot of you know a lot of natural topography. You got some ridges and bowls, and um, I think there's a really big opportunity to create some very exciting um, you know dramatic holes that aren't crazy. You know, but they that you you can provide that that kind of wow factor, you know, with, with the roll out there and some of those, you know, features like the bowls and the ridges. So, um, I know everybody that gets out there, um, seems to be pretty excited. So it's, uh, it's something that'll be fun.
0: Yeah. And obviously one thing I, I, you know, interested to hear about, it, this has been an proud process for you, I imagine. I mean, from, When we first talked, I mean, five years ago, almost now at the Don Deere to now, I imagine you've learned quite a bit about not just golf architecture, but development and the idea of building a golf course and what it takes. What type of difference in just sheer economics are we talking about from building in, in South Carolina versus where you were looking in Utah?
1: I mean, the start of that is uh, just the, you know, price for land um, in Utah is just extremely, you know, crazy high. You can't find anywhere, you know, around Salt Lake, you know, within a couple of hours of Salt Lake for, you know, that's even decent land for anything (laughs) reasonable. So that was kind of one of the huge uh, drawbacks to the Utah project and kind of why it, got put on hold, Um, you know, and in South Carolina, you you know, we got this nice, uh, you know, four to 500 acre piece of property, sandy soils, natural movement, you know, a a really cool, you know, mixture of flora and fauna, got some nice trees and some nice plants out there. And uh, I mean, it's just so much easier to build a golf course on something like that than having to create, you know, basically the whole thing um in utah so that was a, you know it was kind of a no-brainer to kind of put the utah you know the tbc project on hold and kind of shift focus to this you know the tree farm project and uh it, you know it, it's it, yeah like you said it's been super eye-opening very much a learning experience Um thankful to have you know a team of people around me that you know is a lot smarter than me and knows a lot about this stuff um but it's been fun. I, I've enjoyed learning about it. I've enjoyed meeting a, a ton of people, kind of, you know, picking their brains and digging in, asking them some questions about everything. And I'm just excited, man.
0: Yeah. it's. I, I mean, it's interesting when you think about it. And, and this is, you know, in Utah, at that project, you're talking about more cost just to buy the land and then it's, you know, to create a golf course that you want it's going to cost more too, just because of the, the natural benefits of South Carolina, the sand, and you're going to have to bring stuff in and you're going to have to move more dirt in Utah is what you're saying, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Everything, you know, move, move more dirt, bring materials in the, the raw cost of just the, the property was like literally almost as much as, you know, we're probably going to be able to build the golf course for, uh, hopefully in, uh, Aiken. So, you know it was a Mm no-brainer
0: and you know obviously you've built the buck club up it's it's a brand on its own and and now you've got the tree farm talk a little bit about the two visions and how they differ and if they are there is there any planned one day of melding together or you know talk just a little bit about that
1: yeah so obviously you know uh the buck club you know, was this vision to build this golf course, like a destination club in Utah. Uh, You know, I had traveled around, seen a bunch of really cool places and was like, man, I want to do that. That would be so cool to bring one of those to Utah. Um, And basically with everything I just mentioned, you know, the cost of the property, just the, you know, the just traveling in and out of Utah being kind of like a remote place even though they're direct flights and everything like that there's no real like people aren't driving past Utah to get you know to get somewhere realistically so all of those things it was kind of like man um, I'm not sure this is gonna work here this type of club or this type of vision but at that point we had already built up this huge following of people that had kind of bought into this vision um and and supported it and thought it was a really cool idea. And that was really eye-opening to me just sitting back going like, wow, you know, there are a lot of people like believing in this just like I'm believing in it and, and you know, wanting to see it happen. And uh so I, I think that was kind of when we started doing some of those events and, you know, started creating some of this merch and, you know, this following of people, um, you know, was growing and building and everything like that. And then when it kind of got put on hold. It was like, man, this sucks. But at the same time, we have this huge network of people, we have this huge, you know, kind of golf society, we started hosting the ringer and everything like that. And, uh, and right after that, we kind of, you know, picked up on the South Carolina project. And the the buck club project kind of shifted at that point, you know, I, I started realizing that, you know, the public side of golf in Utah, is like a really big draw you know there's there's so much good public golf you know there's so many people that love golf you know the the destination club type vibe isn't that big you know in this part of the country or this state or whatever so i kind of shifted the tbc thing to you know if we could build this really cool public golf course somewhere hopefully like a nine hole public course and then maybe like something for the junior golf side of things that would be cool um, so that's kind of where the vision with TBC is at right now. And then, you know, the tree farms, you know, it, it was kind of born out of the same idea, but it's, you know, its own, it's its own thing. So.
0: So talk about the vision of the tree farm, what what type of club it's obviously, you know, the, the vision as you've talked about is the, you know, destination private club model. Um, what, what are you trying to, achieve and how are you looking to differentiate from other clubs around the area around that region?
1: Yeah. So, um, I think for me, the biggest thing is just creating a place where people that love golf can go have fun. Um, that obviously starts with, um, you know, building a really good golf course that kind of takes care of a lot of, a lot of the things that follow it. But, you know, we want a place, you know, where you can go, you can stay there, you eat there, you kind of do everything, and once you get on property, you know you can kind of check out from the real world and just focus on, you know, having fun for a couple of days. Um, how we differentiate, I think, is just finding, you know, those people that that love golf and want to be involved because you know they kind of bring in a bunch of other good people. And I think setting that kind of vibe and having that really relaxed kind of atmosphere for people to not, not really have to worry about everything. They can kind of let their hair down and, and just go enjoy it.
0: And through your events, the rigor, uh, and then the events we've done, I'm always just amazed after, um, at just the passion, how many passionate golfers there are <laughs> and you know, that are just as sick and and demented as I am.
1: Totally. Yeah. I mean, literally that first ringer that we did was 50 strangers. I, I knew five people that were at the event and they were basically like you, you know, Tron, you know, Solly and like a couple of guys from Utah. Um, um, it was so crazy to see people traveling from literally all over the world to come to this event and just be like, holy cow, these guys are just like me, just total degenerates, love golf, just want to be out here from sunup till sundown. They were pulling the you know, they were pulling the cars out to the putting green or the ninth green and like chipping and putting all night and it was like that's really when I was like, Okay, hey, I think we got something here. I think this could be really cool
0: so i i might be burying the lead here like 20 minutes into the podcast but you know big news on on the front with the with the tree farm is you hired tom doak to do a routing and uh kai golby a long time construct golf construction expert for a number of architects including tom doak bill core or gil hance uh you know among others you hired them. Uh, talk a little bit about that process and, and why why you went to hire Tom to do a routing.
1: Um yeah, I mean it's so cool having you know all those guys on board. You know, I know they're excited, I'm excited, kinda everybody, you know, involved with the project is excited. But you know, I knew that the site was really, really good, had a lot of cool features um a lot of natural movement and i knew that that was kind of the one thing that you can't screw up right you know if you screw up a green or you screw up a you know a fairway bunker like you could you could fix that you know down the road but if you screw up the routing you're you're kind of stuck you know with with what's there um so i wanted to make sure that i you know had a little bit of help in that process um and you know, who better to, who better to bring in than Tom Doak. Um, you know, he's, he's such a talented golf architect and, you know, that's, you know, one of his, you know, skills that he's known for is that routing process. So it's been really cool to kind of see him work, work that process and kind of learn from him. And, um, yeah, his routing's a lot better than mine. So (laughs)
0: what, what about his process and the routing amaze you the most?
1: Well, the, the property, you know, does have that, that topography that I talked about, you know, there is some movement out there and the way he kind of worked all the holes and, you know, got them together and, and you don't really feel like you're ever like going up and down the Hills. That was kind of the most eye opening thing to me. You know, I felt like you know, I felt like when I had a bunch of my holes kind of that I thought were good, you know, good ideas, you were still kind of going up and down. Um, you know, and I, I thought that was like a good idea, right? To, you know, to, to really feel the topography and you'd get these holes that, you know, are really part of that. And he somehow did it like way better than me where you still get that feeling, but you're never walking like up and down. Um, so I, I think that was kind of the the point where it was like, okay, wow, this is like, I didn't even see this type of hole being here. Didn't even know that that was possible or would have never thought of that. Um, and then somehow tied it all back together kind of how I wanted. And uh, I think it's going to be really
0: special. Yeah. And I, I want to back up, you know, obviously we're talking about routing and just for, you know, in terms of layman terms, the routing is, the manner in which the holes are laid out over the property. And, and, you know, the importance of it is it facilitates the journey that a golfer goes on through a property. And, you know, those, the different things that you see when you're playing golf and the different parts of the property that you see and how the holes, you know, fit the land. And um, I'm, I'm curious between your routing and Tom's routing, what do you think, you know, what will what will be? Does, how does it tie together better beyond just not going up and down the hills as much?
1: He did a really good job of you know if you're basically never more than two holes away from the clubhouse. If you ever wanted to go play a few holes, kind of late at night or whatever, you know you can always loop back in. Um, you know he did a much better job of not really having to move a bunch of dirt. Um, not that my routing was going to require. You know, a, a ton of earth moving, but uh, he, he found a lot of really good green sites. That you know, when when in my routing, it was always kind of like, well, what should we do with this green? You know, what what could we do here? And with his, it's kind of like, okay, that's what you do with this green site, or that's what you, this green's going to be. This, it's just it's just already there. So that was kind of one of the more eye opening things that I was talking about with you know a friend that had been out there a few times with me. We were always trying to figure out, well, what green should we do here, what green should we do there, and uh, that's definitely not the case with his routing, which is nice. You can see it a lot more, you know, when you're when you're out there walking the property, um, and you know, some similarities. There were a few holes that were kind of in the same spot. There were a couple that were pretty much the same, and the one thing that he did that I was trying to do was kind of explore the whole property because it is a, you know, it's a 500 acre property or, you know, 497 acre property or something like that. Um, and and I had always tried to kind of go and, and see all the different parts of it. Uh, and he did that as well, which I thought was cool because I always loved that idea. Um, he, he just did it way better.
0: <laughs> um, with it, obviously, you know, the original TBC project, the plan was to hire uh, Rob Collins and Tad King. Uh, Talk a little bit about, you know, the parting ways there, you know, what happened um, and and what led to eventually hiring Tom from from that uh, situation. You know, obviously, that's a big question. I think everybody in the golf world has a little bit in, in, you know, just a a little bit behind the curtains of, of, you know, obviously the projects have changed substantially from when you hired them originally to do the Utah project?
1: Yeah, you know, kind of like I mentioned earlier, um, the the one in Utah, there was like a lot of creating involved, which I think is, you know, one of Rob and Tad's things that they're kind of known for in the few projects that they've done. Um, and then another thing you kind of mentioned was, you know, this is, I mean, it, it is, it's a completely different project. It's not really tbc anymore um you know it's the tree farms its own its own thing its own project so um when it when it all was kind of shaking out you know we were in a position where we didn't really have kind of like a firm start date we had kind of an idea and you know they're busy they're you know popular popular and in demand right now and they had their thing going in nebraska and you know mississippi and new york they had a bunch of stuff on their plate and you know i I, it was just a situation where you know the timing wasn't really working out and uh, so we ended up kind of you know putting that on hold kind of telling them that you know we needed to kind of maybe go a different route and uh at that point tom kind of wasn't involved at all um And we were, we didn't have anybody and we were just kind of out there trying to figure out what to do. Um, And that's when Kai got involved um, through, through like guys like you and um, some other mutual people in the project had kind of, you know, talked about, he might be a good person that kind of knows all about it, has been through it and everything like that. And he was very happy to help out, which was really cool because he knows so much more about it than, you know, than any of us. And then randomly, I was just like on the phone um, talking to Tom one day about elevation changes. I had, a, you know, a question about my routing that I was trying to work out, you know, is this hole too uphill is I was reading his book and uh, you were actually the one who was like, you should just reach out to Tom, like he would be happy to talk about it. And I was like, really? Like, I don't know him, like, you know, and sure enough, called him, asked him about it. We're on the phone for, you know, 20 or 30 minutes talking about this. And, uh, that was kind of that. And I was on the phone the next day with Kai and he was kind of like, Hey, I don't know what you and Tom were talking about, but you know, he seemed pretty interested in the project. You should, uh, you should see if he would want to help out with the routing. And again, I was like, do you think like, is that even an option? Like you think he would want to. And, uh, yeah, gave him a call, you know, wanted to see what he thought about it. And, uh, You know, he he was uh, very, very willing to help, very willing to get involved, which which I thought was so cool, because like I mentioned, the routing is so important, such a key aspect to the whole design. And, uh, you know, he's kind of the perfect person to kind of, you know, lead that part of the project and get us in a place where we can go build a really great place.
0: That's you know, I, I. I'm obviously a biased human being. I've recorded a lot of podcasts with Tom, but I feel like he gets like a bad rap. or and Sometimes a misconception about him is like he's a little surly, but if you want to talk golf architecture or golf in general, there is not a more welcoming and, uh, you know, eager human being to talk about golf and golf architecture than Tom Doak. And uh, I think, you know, it's it's interesting. Like you just perked his interest, and then it it just went from there. It seemed seemingly. Yeah,
1: and you know that's kind of what you, you kind of nailed it. Kai was kind of saying the same thing. Like, look, this dude loves golf, loves golf course architecture, loves routing. You know, loves all of this stuff. Loves a good site. You know, give him a call. Like you know, like see what he thinks. You know, maybe maybe he you know wants to give his opinion on a, on a hole here or there, and then it turned into something you know so much bigger than that and uh it's it's really been a really cool thing to have him involved um you know arguably you know one of the the best architects in the world so um it's been it's been great
0: he had been on site before correct
1: yeah so the the craziest thing potentially about this whole project and this property and and everything is like I said, I found this property like, on the internet. I remember showing it to you before saying like that there's this really cool you know site outside of Aiken. Um, and, and honestly, you were the person who was like, dude, Aiken has like some sick land like you should you should look around Aiken. I remember you know
0: I, I feel like I drove by yeah, this. yeah, this yeah block, like so I think because <laughs> I text I remember I was driving from Charleston to aiken and i was passing all this unbelievable land for sale and i was like aiken you got to look in the aiken area yeah
1: so that's when i started looking you know like for sandy sites you know big enough you know around kind of that part of the the country and found this place like on the internet started calling the guy talking about it whatever whatever and uh during quarantine i was literally just like sitting at home doing nothing. And I was like, dude, we got to buy a piece of property like this place is sick. We just we got to get it. We got to figure out a way to get this done. It'll make everything so much, you know, so much better and more real and uh, went out there, took a spin around it, came home and got it under contract like, you know, in a few days. And I got a I got a call or a text, a, a, a direct message on Twitter from Jeff Warren, who I didn't know. At the time, but you know he's an Augusta, Augusta native. He's the GM up at the Bridge in the Hamptons. You know, asking me, you know, is this property you closed on? You know, and he gave me some address, and I'm like, I honestly don't know. You know, I know that it's just south of I-20, just outside of Aiken. You know, that's all I really know. But here's my number. If you want to call me about it tomorrow, I'd be happy to talk about it. And uh, sure enough, he calls me the next morning, and he was like. I had had you know Tom Doak and Brian Schneider down there um, on that property like five years ago or something like that, looking to do a golf course, and that was that was a that was a really cool moment for like all of us going like okay like okay we we got a cool piece of property like if they were looking to do a golf course here before like you know, that was kind of the moment where everything was like, yep, we did something good. (laughs) So, uh, you know, now Jeff's involved.
0: A little validation. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. Now Jeff's involved. He was involved kind of, you know, right at that point. Um, And then now Tom, you know, now Tom's involved. So everything has kind of come full circle with this property and this project for, you know, a lot of people. And uh, I mean, I can't wait to see what, you know, Tom and Kai and everybody else that's involved can kind of pull off here. Cause it could be really special.
0: Now, obviously golf courses cost a lot of money to build, especially, you know, end to end with clubhouses, everything. So where are you at at this point in the funding process? And uh, tell us a little bit about your model, you know, and, and, you know, the membership recruitment that how you got, you're going about it.
1: Yeah, so we just kind of um, kicked things off, like uh, I would say, a week ago, um, with with all of that. And you know, obviously, I'm not a billionaire or your typical, um, you know, golf development, you know, person. Um, you know, there's no real estate play behind this, you know, which is even more peculiar for somebody like this to kind of roll with it. But we're kind of doing it pretty old school, you know, going going and finding a bunch of people that love this project and, and love golf like I do to come in and be founding members and then going to have a, you know, a solid group of, you know, a couple hundred national members um, around the country to come and enjoy this place a few times a year and you know, bring, bring more people that love golf. So that's kind of how we're uh, that's kind of the model, you, you know, it's it's a, it's a little bit different, you know, we're kind of going with this no dues thing, which is, you know, I think enticing for a lot of people on the national uh, membership side of things, because, you know, if you don't come one year, you're not really on the hook for, you know, for, for a bunch of money or anything like that. Um, which I think is something that's,
0: how, how does that work just for people that probably are perking up right now? No dues. (laughs) How does that work financially? Where, where's the cat? Where's the catch there?
1: <laughs> well, you you uh, you know you would pay your you would pay your you know initiation fee or whatever it's called, um, you know to have access to the club, and then you pay when you come. Um, which a lot of people are like, well, you know, why would I pay if I'm a member? And you know, you start breaking things down um, for them. Like the example that I always use is. You know, my friend's a member at, at Ballyneal, Neal and this year, you know, say he paid X amount in dues, let's just say like $4,000. I don't know if that's the number, but let's just say it is. And he only went two times, you know, he played three rounds of golf there this year. Like those are expensive rounds of golf. Like, you know, you might think you're not paying for golf or a green fee or whatever but like at, at the end of the day you are so at this place you know when you come you pay for you know everything you pay for your green fee you pay for your lodging and you pay for your food and beverage which you pay for your food and beverage at the those other places already um, so you, you know that's kind of the model you know you don't feel like you're out of pocket if you you know you don't make it you know on a trip that year or whatever um, so, you know, we're just after a bunch of people that love golf. I, I know they're out there, you know, we've seen that with some of the events we've hosted, I've seen that with just the people that have hosted me, you know, certain places throughout these last five or six years. And, uh, you know, I really truly believe we can find a, a really great group of people that love this project, love golf, you know, love the area. And want to be a part of something you know pretty cool
0: so yeah in a way people that make annual visits to stream song in the winter it's essentially set up the same way except i imagine the benefits are you are on a much less crowded golf course it's your golf course you know your golf course that you're a member of and you know probably a little bit cheaper food and beverage prices depending on how you like to eat and yeah drink.
1: yeah yeah you know we uh, we're doing something pretty cool uh, I think we're gonna cap the capacity of people out there at like 48 or 56 people because um, like you mentioned I would say the, the the biggest downside of when you go to some of those really cool places like Streamsong or Sand Valley or uh, <clears throat> Bandon or any of those really cool even like Pinehurst whatever you get out there and it's slammed a lot of the time, especially when it's good weather, you know, and the rounds can take a long time. You might not be able to get more holes in based on when your tee time is. So we think that, you know, we can, we can offer this really cool product of a great golf course and a great experience at this, you know, still this, you know, intimate number of people that, that allows you to kind of still meet and greet, hang out with some, some other people that love golf. But at the same time, be able to play like as much golf as you want. So, um, you know, it's kind of this boutique, you know, golf retreat type, you know, club, you know, for most of the year. And then the one thing we do, you know, you asked me how we want to differentiate from a lot of these, uh, destination clubs. And I think the one thing that we are going to do, um, is have this really, really cool club culture you know, try and do, um, you know, a handful of events throughout the year for the members, try and do some of these members weekends that are, or these member weeks that are, you know, very, you know, inspired by some of the stuff that goes on in the UK and really get that like sense of being in a club where, you know, some of these destination clubs are transactional is not the right word, but there isn't really that sense of like, you know, like some of those tournaments and some of those weeks where a bunch of members get together. And I think Pine Valley is a club that does like an unbelievable job at that. They run like all of these awesome events. All the members are so stoked to go play in these things. And that's kind of that's something that I feel like we can do at this place, um, you know that will make it feel much more like a, an actual club than just like a place where I can go, you know, on a trip with some of my friends.
0: I'd be remiss to not ask how, how how's average Joe, you know, gonna, is are they ever going to have an opportunity to play the tree farm?
1: For sure. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, even though this is a different project than TBC, it was all kind of born out of the same idea. the same vision, so we definitely want to do something, um, t- you know, because we, because I understand that um, whether it's like a lottery system or whatever, like every month or or anything, or you know, if you you know, you write a letter and come out and play, kind of like the Sand Hills or the Terra um deal where they have where you can kind of write a letter and go out there, you know, once or whatever, um, and then Masters Week, obviously, you know, there's that ten or twelve days around the Masters where you know we're hoping that people want to come play this place so that's uh yeah there are definitely ways that you know people will be able to come play this place and I think that's very important um you know because what good is like another unbelievable golf course if just like this one percent of the people will ever get to see it so um yeah yeah definitely want to definitely want to make that possible
0: I love the lottery idea. I, I can't get enough of it. I think that, you know, where you just, it would be like, also like, not only is it is it cool if you did it every month, like a year in advance, it would give people something to look forward to. Like think about the Masters lottery. Obviously it wouldn't be like the same as Masters tickets, but people get yeah. like amped yeah. up about that. I mean, it's yeah. like, am I gonna yeah. get them? Am I not?
1: I- well, I think we've seen that. I mean, I've seen that at least I've seen the lottery kind of work with the ringer, you know, the ringers become so popular and have no clue how to, (laughs) besides like trying to host more of them, have no clue how to get like all of these people that want to be involved, involved. So we, you know, this is the second time we've done the lottery. Um, There were 5,000 people that signed up to like, we only had like 10 spots or something available or five spot I don't even know what it was and like you know so it's one of those things where hopefully there will be that much demand for it where and I think there will be you know people have seen this vision supported it you know asked how they could be involved outside of you know joining or whatever and you know being involved is kind of just keep, keep spreading the word, keep, you know, talking about it, supporting it and, you know, wanting to be involved if you can. And I think the lottery is kind of a cool way to accomplish that.
0: With the just community involvement and how golf, you know, tell us a little bit about some just random people you didn't know before you started this whole journey that now are integral pieces and, and, I'm just curious how it came about, and I think that's one of the neatest things about this. Like, typically, you know, for your sake, you know, you've got – you probably, probably are a little – half the time you love all the, the uh, openness of the project. The other t- half you might be cursing it sometimes because of what people – you know, the haters say on Internet. But, you know, I think one of the neat things about this whole, you know, journey really is the – not only – you usually golf courses are extremely secretive when they're coming to, to be uh, you know, be people don't like construction photos. People, people don't like to be open about the membership, um, process. And what happens is they just open and then everybody's like, Whoa, this is an awesome golf course here. We've gotten, you know, in the entire world that's followed you has gotten almost an open book on how everything's gone. But as, you know, one of the benefits for you has been, you've also gotten to meet and hear from so many people that probably have wanted to be a part of it. I'm just curious if there's been anything that stands out, anyone that stands out that, you know, you wouldn't have met had it not been for social media and the internet in general?
1: Well, you, uh, you're, you know, you were, you were one of the first people, you know that kind of talked about the project i didn't know you before you know meeting you that time at the john deere you know what i mean so I, there are so many people that are either a involved b you know kind of signed up to be a member um you know have come out talked about the site everything like that there is just like a endless list of people which is the coolest thing um and like you said i you know whether it's good or bad that's kind of how i wanted it to be you know show people like the process show people you know that it's not just like oh gosh this golf course opened like that's what everybody thinks right uh, they think that, that that just like all of a sudden somebody pays like 20 million dollars this place pops up and like people start joining there's so much more that goes into it and i kind of you know publicly declared that i wanted to do this um so i'm 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 able to kind of take the criticism and the haters and you know i get it whatever but there's been you know 10 times the amount of support sometimes you only see or hear the negative side of it but there's so many people kind of behind the scenes that think this is so cool and and want to be or now are involved you know with the project whether they're members or builders or you know, people helping with the routing, you know, people designing the course, all of that stuff, you know, none of it really would be kind of possible without some of the people that I've met um, throughout this process. And you kind of touched on it perfectly. I think one of the major benefits we have going for this project is everyone does know about it or not everybody, but like a huge amount of people know about this project. Where you said usually it's just like this course pops up and then they're like, hey, we're looking for members. Like, let's go. We feel like we can, you know, get a bunch of people like involved or you know signed up or uh, as members like before the course even opens, which will be the coolest thing ever to kind of have this huge group of people ready to go day one when this thing pops off.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know it's funny because like I I think about. The whole journey and one of my favorite criticisms that people would make would be like why you know he plays on the pga tour why doesn't he build it himself it's like do you have any clue how much it costs to fill the golf course
1: like yeah it's expensive
0: it's not (laughs) not like it's at a pga tour players just a drop in the bucket for them hey i'm curious you know being on tour week in week out and there's a strong contingent of players from that area what's what's the reaction been like with players on tour are are there players that are interested in in being a part of it
1: yeah i think uh right like as soon as the the project moved to south carolina which you know there's a huge contingent of people that are based kind of you know southeast right down you know within a couple of hours of that place um it was all of a sudden on everybody's radar you know hey i heard you're building this place and Aiken. hey you know you know what's it gonna be like oh could i come take a look where it's like you know this project had kind of been out there for a while and you know a handful of people would come up to me and talk about it but now you know the handful has kind of grown um you know to a lot of people which is really cool because you know i uh i love kind of talking about the vision i love you know, telling people all the ideas and like what we're trying to do. So it's been cool to see this support from, you know, my professional side of the world grow, you know, to where I can have these conversations with some of those guys. And yeah, like, you know, uh, all those guys from the Aiken area, and I'm sure I'm going to miss, you know, a few of these people, but you know, your, your Kisner's, your Scott Brown's, your Henrik Norlanders, Wesley Bryan, Luke List, um, i know von taylor's out there at like champions retreat um there's definitely more but you know like all of these people have like reached out and you know talked about it um you know said it would be cool to kind of see what happens and see if they could get involved somehow so um i'm definitely excited just to build another cool place for people that love golf you know there's a bunch like golf is so big in that area people love golf obviously with the masters and everything like that it's like a huge part of the economy it's a huge part of everybody's lives so um couldn't have couldn't have picked a better place if i was going to move it
0: i i love aiken obviously we we hosted an event at an aiken golf club palmetto's amazing place It 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 just is a really cool town like I would, I love hanging out there. Like my wife and I hung out there for a couple of days after our event, It you know, they got polo matches every weekend and Aiken. it is a really neat town and, uh, good, good restaurants and, uh, that you gotta be excited. You're going to have a place a little bit warmer to hang out at in the, in the winter.
1: Yeah, man, we were just, yeah, we were down there this week. Um, it was snowing back in Utah. Me and me and a buddy went out for a couple of days to go walk the routing. And, uh, you know, take a couple people around it and it's like 67 degrees, you know, January 20th or something like that. You're like, okay, like I could do this It's definitely, you know, I love the snow. I love skiing. I love Utah. But, you know, when I'm able to play golf again, I'm like, yeah, you know, 65 in January sounds pretty nice. And I know that's not every day in January, but still we were down there for three days and it was in the 60s every day. So that's better than Utah.
0: Well, that's. I was just in recently in in Charleston, and people are like, "Oh, it's it's not nice. It's like 55 and and sunny." I'm like, yeah. "What are What are you talking about? <laughs>
1: You're from Chicago, <laughs> this is, yeah? This like is the... wonderful. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah.
0: it's like this is we could do, you could do whatever you want in this weather. Yeah, like, it's You know, you. Could... But um, yeah, that's and that's I think something big with Utah versus. South Carolina is obviously like national membership model. Yeah. And you alluded to this a little bit. Why it doesn't work there is like, you know, you're asking people to leave some of the best golf destinations in the Northeast, the Midwest and the, you know, they only get six months. Yeah. You know, I'm a Chicagoan. Really. you only get like four good months, maybe two good months, depending on how picky you are. Yeah. but. You only get a couple months and and then this club in Utah, you're asking people to leave their really good months to come to Utah to play versus this club it can be year round, but you know, when it's gonna be playing, I'm assuming you're gonna let it go dormant. If you if you if you say you aren't, I'm gonna hang up now <laughs> and, and maybe never talk to you again. But you get the opportunity to go down and play on, you know, near Link's like conditions with yeah. dormant Bermuda in the winter and when you can't play in your, you know, predominant area.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, the, the dovetail in the seasons for those kind of Northern clubs or, you know, anywhere really in America, I guess that it gets cold and your courses close. This is kind of the perfect place for you to, uh, you know, for you to come out to. Um, and that was something early on that I didn't fully grasp. On the Utah side of things, um, you know, it was kind of like, well, they'll do it. Like Utah's cool; it's a direct flight to Salt Lake, which is super easy. They have those from everywhere in America, basically. Um, but then you kind of hit the nail on the head there with, like, why is a dude from like Chicago going to leave like their peak time in the year to come out to Utah for a couple of days? It Makes a lot more sense for that guy in Chicago to leave Chicago when it's, you know, three below, you know, and they can't golf to come down to somewhere where it's 65 degrees and you got this, you know, prime place to play golf.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And well, we're excited. And, uh, what, um, what's the timeline for what's the hopeful timeline in terms of, you know, obviously fundraising member, finding members at this point say everything goes great what are we talking about breaking ground and potential opening of the golf course on a, on a timeline basis?
1: Yeah. If, you know, if everything kind of goes according to plan, you know, we're, uh, clearing the corridors kind of later this summer, um, or, you know, later like fall time, then sometime in the winter, you kind of get uh, shape in the course that goes through kind of till spring or summer and your grass in the place. And, I think you kind of have some preview play going on early 2023 with kind of a grand opening in the the fall of 23. So um, everyone kind of thinks that that's, that's a legit timeline. You know, that gives it a full year to grow in. That gives you plenty of time to shape that everything like that. So that's kind of what we're going on right now. And obviously, like I said, it, it is a different project in that I'm not, I'm not like the sole person funding the place. You know, we are looking for like those national members. We are looking for those founders to kind of be, you know, kind of the cornerstone to this, getting this project going. So a lot of it kind of depends on that, but we are off to a really good start, which is fun. You know, we, we just kind of got the deck kind of circulating a little bit in the last few days. And, you know, a lot of people have heard about it, but not everybody. So we're going to kind of take that process, you know, be very deliberate with who we, um, get involved and, you know, make sure there are people that love, love the whole thing just as much as me. And, uh, you know, want to be, want to be a key part to it. So a lot of it depends on them too.
0: If people want to get involved, where do they go? How do you, how do you, I mean, as crazy sign as it sounds, to, or
1: not sign up, but inquire. I mean, you you, you know, you get a hold of me. <laughs> and I'm I'm an easy guy to get a hold of, though. You know, you shoot me a message on Instagram or something like that, or you know, you call Andy, and they uh and they 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 he puts you in touch with me. So I like I said, don't call. I, I love uh, I love talking to people. Nobody
0: reached out to me. <laughs>
1: I love talking to people so I'm a, I'm a black hole. I love talking to people about this project and there are, there are plenty of people involved right now that I literally had never met before I talked to them on social media or, or, you know, emailed with them or had a phone call or whatever. So, um, you know, you, you reach out to me or somebody else that's involved and we get in touch and talk about it. And, you know, maybe we go down to the site and see it and get to know you a little better and boom next thing you know you're you're in
0: yeah that's i mean it's neat in a way that you're you're doing something a different way that anybody's ever done it before and uh it it has its drawbacks of you know it's out in the open everybody can comment and see it but it's also you know could be a bridge way for the future of how more golf courses get built by back by you know public demand really yeah
1: totally totally it's uh it definitely is new. It definitely is different. There's not really kind of a playbook for this, but uh, man, it's just been cool meeting everybody. It's been cool, you know, getting the people that are involved involved. Um, it's just like, again, we we were on our way like back from back from the property the other night. And My friend was like, "Man, dude, you were like you were like doodling holes on like lined like school paper like six years ago." And now, like, you have Tom Doak involved. Like, you you know, you have like a membership, you know, a group of people that are ready to like back this thing and support it and kind of run through a door for you. Like, it's been so cool to see it get from there to where it is. And it obviously still has a little more ways to go, but uh, it's definitely on the right track. And we got a really, really great group of people. Like, like you said, dude, like Kai's built some of the best courses in the whole world, you know, with Tom and uh, yeah, other people. So he'll he's going to have a really, really good group of guys helping him out with that. And, uh, you know, having the, arguably the best router in the world throw together this, uh, this routing has been really fun to be a part of, too.
0: Yeah. And when you think about it, say 2016 is when you think like, that's probably when... The real talk of even doing this started seven years. If if everything goes on plan, seven years from idea to open for a golf course is not a a a long time frame. Yeah, yeah. It's just that everybody's seen like golf courses take a shitload of time to build. Well, with
1: everything, just like the permitting, the fundraising, the you know buying the property, you know getting the people involved, like like, people never see any of that stuff, you know, usually it's a billionaire developer that, you know, can do everything himself, basically, Um, you know, and like, we're not doing it that way. Like, I'm not, I'm not a billionaire, you know, so it had to it had to be different. We had to do stuff um, in a new way. And it's been so cool to just see how many people like love it and, and want to be involved and want to support it. And I've just met so many good people that it's, it's, you know, for, you know, if, if nothing else happened, I would have all of these like really cool people to, you know, to go play with, which is nice.
0: All right, ZB. Uh, we're looking forward to watching this over the next few months and maybe we'll do another pod when, when there's the next big, big news, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. Sounds good.
0: All right, man. Be well. You too.